Session. Now Bob's wire, Bob's taken a, Barbara Friedman has taken a look at what's trending on social media and it's always revealing the stuff that people talk about there. Yeah, um, I'm going to talk first about the Rafa crossing and that is the border crossing between the Gaza Strip and Egypt that is finally allowing some people to leave since Israel's war and the siege began and the checkpoint opened yesterday, it allowed what 300 and something people with dual passports or foreign passports to leave. There are obviously thousands of people that would like to be leaving. Also amongst those that that were that went over were about 60 something Palestinians that were very badly injured. But you know, just watching the visuals of people so desperate to get out of war-torn Gaza is just heartbreaking and you know, honestly, this constant uh, bombing of this area, it's just, and the peep, and people's stories about how literally the house next door got bombed. And, you know, one young woman, she's 24 years old, she's, her mom is Jordanian, and then her dad is Palestinian, and she's oh. sitting there saying she and her brother, who's disabled, have been kind of going towards Rafa every day to just see if they can cross over. No luck yet. The Jordanian embassy has been in touch with them, but so far they haven't been given the go-ahead. And she was just describing how the house that they lived in, um, there was a warning, a house nearby uh, was bombed, so they then moved to another area, and uh, the house next door was bombed, and... Can you even imagine being in that situation? The statistics coming out of there it's are... It's a humanitarian crisis. An There's absolute no debate about it. crisis. And, you know, I get that the IDF and Israel say, you know, while Hamas is, is, is ruling Gaza, we will carry on. That is not an answer for yeah. me. That is not an answer for me. You know, you have to have to call for a ceasefire and you have to have safe passages for civilians to be leaving areas like this. You cannot have them trapped, you know, in a siege of bombs. I, I was saying a little earlier, you can't kill a baby. I mean, because the father uh, rejects uh, Israel's right to existence violently. You cannot the kill the baby. The, child, the baby doesn't, didn't make that decision. Yeah. Neither can you kill a baby because the father has stolen Palestinian land. Exactly. The and baby didn't make that decision. Yeah, this is our, you know, the way, this is the position. It's a, hum, it's a, it's a humanity position. And I just, I just, I cannot understand. There should, you know, this is just not an excuse, but only armies and you know, military people actually think these are acceptable ways to, to, to. Collateral to, damage. Is, is, it's part of the, yeah, part of this thing. No, it's not. That's primitive talk. Absolute, Belongs in the ab 20th century. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. On to happier things. I, as I was sitting waiting to start my segment with you, I was watching the screen of the big 20, big behind you, the news, the 24 hour news behind us. And you can see Sia and his team have arrived at the union buildings carrying the Webb Ellis trophy. And now, of course, they're lined up on the stairs where Cyril and his ministers are holding the cup and obviously taking a lot of credit for this. But the reason I'm mentioning it, one, because that is obviously what's about to be super trending. But it's linked to what has been trending, which is hashtag Protea Fire and hashtag NZ versus SA. And I mean, unless you weren't kind of watching the news yesterday, you all would know that South Africa won and beat New Zealand by 190 runs. It was quite an epic, um, it was an epic uh, showdown. South Africa just killed it. 
and we are now in the semi-finals. So we not only have had one great sporting victory this last week, we are now hopefully heading to another one. My thought what was interesting is that the cricket to the ICC cricket.com site has published an article this morning about the record breaking uh, statistics coming out of South Africa at the Cricket World Cup and we'll try to get that online. Um 82 South Africa sixes from the World Cup so far, which is pretty good and quite a few of those were in the game yesterday, were in the match yesterday. And then other stats, uh, 12 wickets taken in a power play, in the power play section of the games. Um, and then four individual hundreds. I mean, we know Quentin de Kock um, has been an absolute star um, at this um, World Cup. Um, eight team hundreds in a Cricket World Cup. These are all record-breaking statistics. Yeah. Two double-century partnerships at Cricket World Cups. That was de Kock and Van de Dissen um, combined for 200 runs stand against New Zealand. And then 545 individual runs in a Cricket World Cup. 350 plus team totals there are four 350 plus team totals in a cricket world cup so those are all record-breaking stats i mean obviously i'm not a cricket expert i do enjoy watching the games but i thought that was great we're doing brilliantly yeah yeah absolutely i was watching the sports minister but yeah. also claiming the Wade victory. into the fight. Is this, I was going to say. And he said, no, it's, it's, if we just win with one point. Oh, yeah, we, we're one-pointers. Hold, hold on a second. This is about runs. This is not about points. <laughs> like, Gee, That's man. how cricket works. <laughs> And work. that is what's so funny. And I'm sorry if we're being mean about the ministers of South Africa, but honestly, can you just, you're the sports minister, could you just like actually... We'll un- claim that victory we're too. We're going to win the cricket by one point. No, you're not. <laughs> it's not going to help that point. You need runs here. But- it's just so funny. But anyway, I'm glad they're all very happy, um, you know, distracting us from our midterm budget yesterday. We continue to... Peter's diverted by wonderful sports scores while we're all sitting here in an absolute to stunt about the economy. Yeah, yeah. Moving along. And I'm ending with a story that has absolutely mesmerized me. I'm completely like obsessed with the story. And it's about a guy who he has an Instagram and a TikTok account with a huge following. His name is Barry Enderwick, and he is recreating sandwiches from history. So his account is called Sandwiches from History. And every single video is him actually, he hauls out these ancient cookbooks from 1929 and 1934. These, And then he like finds these sandwich recipes and he recreates them. And you can watch him do that. And I just find it like if you want to just be distracted from our grim world we live in and you love sandwiches <laughs> um, and you're wondering what to put on your sandwich for work tomorrow, then go and look at Barry Enderwick's accounts. We're going to try to get it up on our site because <laughs> I'm just completely intrigued by it. And he goes through some of the most disgusting sandwiches, he admits, to ones that are just mind-blowingly delicious. I don't know what your sandwich favorites are. Maybe listeners have theirs and they can let us know. But he goes through... Um, 
a whole lot. Um, the one I swatched just now was tomato sauce and cream cheese from like 1934. No. I was thinking times must have been tough. And he was like, no, that looks like... 1934 times were tough. They were, I suppose. Great depression. Exactly. Out of it. So it's very... There's a, there's a historical component that's sure. quite funny. And then he also does global. He goes to all the different countries and he looks at quite amazing sandwiches. And there's a history behind them all. And I suppose the point he also makes is that there isn't a single country or cuisine that isn't doesn't have sandwiches. And, you know, obviously, I think the bao buns are probably more of an Asian sort of version of it. Um, you know, different countries have different breads, different fillings, and different kind of ways of doing that. Um, you know, he doesn't, he, it says, and there's a Guardian article, which is where I got the idea to look him up. He's not afraid to wade into the sandwich controversy. A hot dog, he would argue, is a sandwich. A burger, too, he says. Obviously, some people don't believe those are sandwiches. Um, and then he talks about how you cut sandwiches, you know, whether you cut your sandwiches diagonally. I'm a fan of the diagonal sandwich. I like to cut my sandwich that way and then have those two diagonal Stuckies. You like the triangle, okay? Do you do you like the? Uh, I like to eat it. Oh frankly. right, you don't mind which way it's I, cut. I don't even have to cut it. They say that and, he and, says and the diagonal. Let me just is add. Yes, we're talking peanut butter and jam, and yeah, that is a thing he talks about, and it's definitely, definitely one of the most biggest favorite sandwiches. Absolutely is, as they say in America, the PBJ, the peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> um, and we just call it peanut butter and jam here. Yeah? Um, and then he also just talks about the five worst sandwiches he's ever had. The one from 1936 is called The Yeast Sandwich, a block of compressed fresh yeast mixed with Worcester sauce. It was not good, he says. The Oyster Sandwich from 1909, chopped up raw oysters, olive oil and Worcester sauce with lettuce. It was a slimy mess, so gross, no. I'll take his word for it. Yeah. And a few others. So I thought that was, if you want to just go and have a bit of entertainment. I don't know why I'm so fascinated by this, but... Sandwiches are great. Yeah. I love a sandwich. I don't know necessarily. They are great, but to consume all of your life in the manner that it did his. Oh, I don't know if, he's do if he only eats sandwiches. I think that's just for his um, Well, clearly he thinks research. sandwiches all the time. If, he, if he's not <laughs> eating it, he's thinking it. Thank you, Barbara Friedman. That was Bob's Wire. Bring the time to 9.45. There's some, there's some puppy scams doing the rounds. And I know we're betwixt and between often when we get to that, that robot and there's a homeless person wanting to sell off the puppy and you look into the puppy's eyes and your hot mouths and you're like, oh man, I can give this puppy a life. What are we perpetuating? perpetuating in the in the in the process are we doing the right thing right thing maybe for the puppy the puppy's gonna sleep in in a warm bed replete with an electric blanket <laughs> in in winter but what what are we doing is is that a good thing let's get a sense of puppy scams beware of 